It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and analyst at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. Today is Thursday, March 31st. We are one week away from opening day. This is not our official opening day preview show. We'll do that early next week. But this is something far more fun each year for the last couple of years. I and Will Leach, one of our favorite writers and colleagues here, have gotten together to draft each of the teams 1 to 30 based on order of who's going to win the World Series this year. It's definitely going to be right. It's definitely not going to be mistaken. We will have no regrets when we look back on this in October. And we're very pleased to be joined by Will. We're going to go through each of the 30 teams, maybe not fully because, you know, we want to talk a little more about number one than, say, number 27. Uh, Will, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. I have to ask you a very quick question. As a certified Cardinals fan, is Albert Pujols a good thing or just a nostalgic thing? Uh, I mean, it depends. Do you like 40 homers and a 335 average this year? Because wow. that's what he's No, obviously not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, listen, I'll, I'll put it this way. I love uh, uh, Juan Yepes as much as everybody else. I was excited to see that. But uh, Juan Yepes has not shown so much till you're like, okay, you can't get bring Pujols in because Yepes has got a chance. That, like, I, you gotta, if you got the opportunity to, to kind of do it, particularly with it being Wainwright and Molina, probably their last year. Molina, definitely Wainwright, probably his last year. Uh, listen, it, I think if, if, if this were like the mid-90s Rays bringing three old Red Sox back for like the one last <laughs> thing, I think that would be something different. But this is kind of very much in the Cardinals DNA and uh, I think I mean, I'm doing a piece for this next week but the Cardinals have three of the six oldest players in baseball which has been the case for a few years <laughs> so it's a very Cardinals thing to do and uh, it would I, I I think everyone's excited to be and listen as as you noted uh, as, as has been noted uh, the Cardinals when they have uh, after the year 2011 every time they have Iowa pools in the lineup they score 29 runs Yes, that, so, well, that's 100% uh, clearly, true. Clearly, clearly so, that's being set up. So what you're saying is they should definitely sign Bartolo if you're going to be writing about oldest players. Really, <laughs> the only number that matters is 162, which is how many Albert Pujols bobblehead nights, I assume, <laughs> they will have this year. Matt Myers is going to MC us here. Uh, Matt, why don't, you get the dra- why don't you get the draft started here? I like the idea that they're going to do the Albert Pujols bobblehead nights on the road, too. It's like the Kareem and Coach K going away. Like every, he's going to get a ball. Is he going to get the Jeter thing from every other ballpark? Like, hey, look, here's some brats from Milwaukee. Well, we it's, 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 him, it's him and Molina, as you, I'm yeah. sure you, you know, which yeah, is going to be. Yeah, but people like Pujols in other cities. <laughs> I'm only <laughs> half kidding. Like David Ortiz got yeah. all this stuff on the yeah. road during his yeah. tour. You know, like they'll do it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Yeah, let's get it going. Um, I don't think there's that much suspense with the number one pick in the, this draft. This is, I feel like this is like, you know, LeBron, like LeBron when he was in the NBA draft. Like they could, you know, uh, they even the night of the lottery, they had the jersey ready of who was going to get the pick. So, but Mike, you had the first pick and who did you take? I hate to pick the chalk. Like I hate to pick the chalk because it never works out. And yet, what was I going to do? Not pick the Dodgers? Like, of course I'm going to pick the Dodgers. You know, they lost Corey Seager. They lost Kenley Jansen, right? They they lost, uh, they lost um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else. They added Freddie Freeman. 
who was really, really good. Oh, they lost Max Scherzer. That's who it was. That's who I was trying to remember. And, you know, for most teams, losing those guys would be like a big problem. And for them, it's like, that's cool. We'll just get Freddie Freeman. Like, it's not a perfect team, right? I don't know if Corey, if Cody Bellinger is going to hit. I don't know if they are going to need to add a reliever. But it's like, these are problems you worry about in July when you dip into what is an amazing farm system and you either just promote Bobby Miller or trade those guys for the next Max Scherzer. It's, the, the Dodgers are going to be fine. Although I will say I was surprised looking at the Fangrass projections that has them at 94 wins, which is only two wins more than any other team. Um, that kind of stood out to me. I thought the gap would have been larger. It's weird, though. Perspect- baseball Prospectus has them at like 101, and it's unusual <laughs> to see that kind of gap. I'm not really sure why. I think it'll help that, uh, though I think the Giants will be pretty good. The Giants are not winning 107 games this year. You know, like that's going to help. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um I'm assuming, Will, that they would have been your first pick, too? Uh, yes, they would have been my, my first pick. They would have probably been my second and third pick if that were allowed. So, but it's um, not, apparently. So, no. But then, who do you, I feel like a number two is pretty wide open. And you actually went with a team that, by Fangraphs, is projected to have the ninth most wins in baseball this year at number two. Yeah, and you know, a lot of this is strategy, particularly with the new playoff format. You're really you're, you're looking. I think getting a number one or two seed is a really huge deal this year, and just not having to to play a three game series against someone, and also being able to host whatever uh, in the in the division series makes a makes a big deal. So I find myself looking, okay, who's the most likely team outside of the Dodgers to win the division? And I went with the White Sox. So the White Sox were my number two pick. I'm not sure necessarily. That I I do not believe that they are better than say the Blue Jays or maybe even the Rays, but I think they've got the clearest path to win the division and potentially the clearest path to uh, to have the number one seed uh, in the American League. I think there's a lot of I know people are excited about the Tigers and Royals a little bit more. Uh, I, I'm not I still feel like they've got a long way to go to get back. And I think there's a lot of wins that are going to be had in this division. I don't think the twins are, are quite there either. And also, you know, this is a team that in a lot of ways, uh, you know, I think there's there's a couple depth issues, but generally speaking, you know, last year they won the division kind of going away, and that was with not getting very much out of Louis, Louis Robert, not getting very much out of the Eloy Jimenez. I like the idea of the way they're kind of structured. They seem built to win a lot of regular season games. I think that comfortably puts them there. And so I liked their path. And frankly, once you get into the playoffs, if you've got Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito as your one-two, I think a lot of teams would like to have that. So I went with the White Sox with the number two. Yeah, I yeah, think this, this is a really good pick, but you know what my impression has been is that White Sox fans are mad. Like they're unhappy because the team didn't go out and put that like the the icing on the top of the cake. They don't really have a second baseman. They don't really have a right fielder. They don't really have a backup catcher. And I, I'm kind of surprised at how annoyed White Sox fans are considering the team is really, really good, as you kind of mentioned. It's it's a weird roster, too, because they have a couple, you know, like some of their they, they locked up a lot of their young players to these long term deals, like Eli Jimenez. Um, Luis Robert, like I, there's, did, did uh, Moncada get a long-term deal as well? There's a lot of guys on long-term, Tim Anderson, and then they have, like, I don't want to say necessarily dead weight, but they have, like, Craig, Craig Kimbrell and, like, Dallas Keiko are the two highest-paid guys on the sure. team. It's, like, a weird, there's a weird, like, kind of, I don't know if imbalance is the right word, but it, it feels a little, the, the, the roster construction feels a little disjointed in that regard. Um, all right, Mike, you were, in, you were up third, and who'd you go with? I kind of, as I wrote, and by the way, this is an article we wrote. You can read our full one to 30 on MLB.com, a very good website. Um, I went with the opposite path of what Will just did. Will went with a very good team with a very clear path to the playoffs. I went with a very good team with a very difficult path to the playoffs, which would be the Toronto Blue Jays, because the East is really tough. Like forget Baltimore, right? But the other four teams are all very good in their own ways. And 
I sort of think the Jays are being, I don't know, a little bit blown up here because they did lose Robbie Ray and they did lose Marcus Simeon. Like the Cy Young winner and what did Simeon, second or third in the MVP, right? I think third. Like those are really big holes to lose. And I think it says a lot about how good the young core is, how impressive the offseason additions were. And to be honest, just getting back to Canada for a full season because people are absolutely stoked. And I, I don't think you would have thought that considering those losses. So that's my number three. Like, it's, I don't want to say this year or never because those young guys are young, but like this is the year for the Blue Jays. I kind of agree to the, also the extent that they like, you know, they made a big, big investment in George Springer and like he's now 32 going on 33 and he often doesn't play that much. So it's like, this is, they need like, this is, I, I feel like this is the last year. Maybe you can sort of feel like I feel confident with him as like an elite player when he's on the field. So I think that, that, that matters. Um, all right. Well, you had the fourth pick. Yeah, you know, uh, it feels it feels less controversial to do this now. I don't know if this is uh, anecdotal. This just feels anecdotally true. I don't know if there's data behind this, but it feels like people are sixteen to eighteen percent less angry at the Astros than they were at this time. Not Brian Cashman, apparently. <laughs> Not Brian Cashman. Yeah. yeah, living in the past. Yeah, it, it, it is true. I I have to agree with Cashman. I think they should have 27 and a quarter championships. I think that's what he should say. He should say, sorry, 27 and a quarter championships and see how that works uh, on the back page of the tabloids. Uh, but I went with the Astros, the number four pick. Uh, and, and one thing that I think that is interesting is, you know, we've gotten so used to the Astros of having this great offense and, and, and what, aided or not aided uh, such as it were, but really it's the rotation that I think is most impressive this year. You know, that, that young rotation, uh, they've got three really solid starters, 30 and under Luis Garcia is like my big fantasy guy. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing him everywhere right now. And Verlander looks great. Uh, in in the in the pre in in spring training, he looks like he's throwing hard. He looks rested, ready to come back. I, you don't have to rely on him as much as you used to have to, which I think is even better for them. So, and it's not like there's no offense here. I think that eventually someone's going to notice how awesome Kyle Tucker is. It will happen at some point, but they're still stacked all the way through. And I kind of like Alex Bregman to maybe, if not get back to that like top three MVP guy he was a couple of years ago. I feel like he's gotten a little lost. He's 28, like he is still like in his prime. I think he's got a rebound too. So I like the S. Shows a lot. I also, I, I will get to the Mariners and Angels. I still feel I, they're better, I think, but I don't think anyone in this division is uh, really threatening the Astros. Yeah, I mean, Bregman was pretty clearly hurt last year in the postseason when he was terrible and he had wrist surgery. So I think there is good reason to believe that he will be a lot better this year. All right, Mike, who'd you have at five? Uh, with number five, I went with a team that I think I drafted both too high and too low at the exact same time, and that's your defending World Series champion, Braves. And the reason I say that is, look, there's obviously like a ton to like here. You know, I actually really liked replacing Freeman with Matt Olson. I thought that's going to that's gonna work out well for them. They added Colin McHugh and Kenley Jansen to what was already a very good bullpen. You know, they'll get Acuna back. We saw what they could do in the postseason last year. You know, like there's so much to like about the Braves. And I keep coming back to the fact that like every year for the last four-ish years, we underrate the Braves and say, oh, no, they're not going to win. And then they do, you know, not the World Series, but the division. And I'm like, this is the year. This is the year. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let it happen. And yet they only won 88 games last year. And no team has gone back to back since the Yankees did it, 98 to 2000. Freeman's gone. Uh, Acuna is going to be limited. And I can't get past the fact that part of the reason they won last year, a big part of the reason was like a decent team collected some random veteran outfield dudes who then played like Ted Williams for six weeks at the exact right time. Don't get me wrong. I like Eddie Rosario. I like Jorge Soler. I like Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall. Th those guys are not 
those guys, you know? And if that doesn't happen, they don't win the World Series. Anyway, I picked them five just because I do really like a lot of what's happening here. Uh, but I got questions. Um, that's reasonable. I, I, I feel like there's still, there's still, I mean, this has been the case, and I say this as someone with a, a well-known Mets allegiance, like, this has been the case for a few years now. It's like, I'll believe the Mets can beat the Braves when I see it. And so, like, until that happens, um, I would continue to put the Braves ahead of them. And if they're, you know, winning the NL East, they're as much of, you know, as good of a chance of any team to win the to win the World Series. All right, Will, who'd you have next? I liked uh, two of Mike's first three picks because they were teams that I don't even have winning their divisions, uh, So, which I think worked out pretty uh, – we'll see if I'm right or not. But I, six, I actually went with those Mets, and let's not really overcomplicate this. They have Max Scherzer and Jacob McGraw at the top of the rotation, and that is right there if they're able to get in the playoffs and those guys are healthy. Two – Relatively, like not, those are not solid, uh, uh, clearly settled bets to any stretch of the imagination. But if you're able to get those two uh, into the playoffs, I mean, who in the world? There, there, there was that spring training game. Uh, I think the Cardinals played them actually, where there, it was Scherzer, it was Degrom into Scherzer, three of three of Degrom and six into Scherzer. That feels like a game seven somewhere. Where <laughs> that's going to happen at some point, which seems like a potentially really fun idea. But I actually kind of like some of their ads uh, at the cross the board. Too. I think Marte's a fit. I actually really like. Kana, I feel like he's like an on-base guy that's, that this team could really use. Uh, I j- again, it's the Mets. You never know when it's going to go careening violently off the rails. Uh, but certainly, uh, I, I, once again, I do like them to win this division. Uh, and I think the moves. And I'll put it this way: if they're close in July, they I, I trust them more than I trust a lot of teams to move heaven and earth to make themselves better. What's and they're, they're also if they if they somehow they are in the race down the stretch and. Scherzer and DeGrom are healthy, two huge ifs, but like they would be as good of like a poster child for the new playoffs, the, like the stratification of the new playoff format, because they would be very, very uh, motivated to try and win the division, get a top two seed, because like they, that could totally change. They, they, they would, they would have more to gain from being able to get like four days off and line those guys up more than any other team would probably in terms of uh, lining up starting pitching. Okay, Mike, you had seven. Who'd you go with? Sorry, I'm just over here cackling at Will saying that you could bring Max Scherzer in relief in the postseason, and that'll (laughs) totally just work out, and nothing bad will come from it. I took the other controversial New York team. You know, everything I said earlier about the White Sox, you know, how they are a very good team, and the fans are deeply upset, I think it applies to the Yankees, right? Because they had a kind of a disappointing winner. They didn't get any of those shortstops that everybody wanted. They didn't get Freeman. They didn't get Olsen. I think Rizzo is a big step down from those guys. I don't really trust Connor Falefa to be an everyday shortstop, although I like the Josh Donaldson move. I like Torres not playing shortstop anymore and i've already done it now right i'm talking about the negatives for a team i'm picking seventh who won 92 games last year like this is a really good team i think stanton and uh judge obviously uh, had great years last year but joey gallo is going to be better he was not very good with the yankees i have a lot of confidence he's going to be better the defense will be better i think the starting pitching is going to be better than people think and the bullpen's always good and yet it's hard to talk about the yankees without talking about man what if they'd actually just gone inside Carlos Correa? <laughs> like, how good would this team look, especially in that division? So it's like, is it a very good team? Yes. Are Yankee fans stoked? They are not. It's it's yeah the, the the like the 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 bottom of that lineup is deciding decidedly on Yankees, and I think that's the hard thing to kind of like um, wrap your head around as like you know as a as a you know outside observer. It's just like you look at that team, like really. That's what they did this offseason. That's 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 the strange part about it. But I agree with you. They, they are definitely a team. I would not be surprised if they 
I don't think anyone would be surprised if they won the division and ended up in the World Series. Um, all right, Will, you were up next. Who'd you go with? And what are we up to? Eight now? Eight. Yes. Yeah, I also like this, speaking before, that Mike has now picked two teams from the AL East, neither of which are the team I think is going to win the AL East, which is the Rays. The Rays are my next pick. Uh, on one hand, there's just the Rays. It just I, it feels like whoever uh, – I think they're going to win the division, and it just it's a very Rays thing that whoever is pitching – finishes off the game that they clinched the AL East in is someone I have personally never heard of right now. And it's probably thrown like 25 innings at that point, but it's completely dominating because that's kind of what the, the Rays are able to, they're able to kind of mint those guys. But the thing that puts you over the edge here is Wander Franco. I, I think that they, they uh, to see what he did last year and what he's going to be able to build on, he's just turned 21, which is, frankly, as someone in his 40s, annoying. Uh, but for him to be able to, to do this already, it feels like it's – for all the race success they've had, they've not had really, I guess, since maybe early Longoria, maybe that kind of like top-tier, top-shelf superstar that all the other stuff that they do well is able to build around. I think Franco may be that guy as early as this year, and so that's the thing that pushes me over the top. Having him all year uh, was enough to get could get me to pick them, not just to uh, at this spot, but to win the AL East. Um, I, um, Mike, you had the ninth pick. Who'd you go with? Well, thank you for saying Wander Franco and not Franco, as I hear <laughs> so often. <laughs> like, we have the man on video saying Franco. <laughs> Uh, number nine, I picked what I believe to be the best pitching staff in baseball, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. They are incredibly talented on the pitching staff, and I feel like I hardly even to me- need to mention the names, right? But I will, you know, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Freddie Peralta, Luis Perdomo, I hear. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's going to be great. <laughs> I was looking uh, for it. Yep. Josh Hader, Devin Williams, and like for the fourth year in a row, I'm still out here saying uh, Adrian Hauser. It's, it's going to be the Adrian Hauser year. The pitching is so good. Craig Council manages it so well. And yet I still don't trust the offense even a little. I like getting Andrew McCutcheon as like a part-time platoon DH, but that was like their big ad. I mean, is this going to be the Rowdy Telez year? Do any of us know what Christian Yelich is going to do? I, I I do not know this. I mean, Lorenzo Cain is still around there. You know, Hunter Renfro is fine. The infield is terrible. They're really like the pitching is amazing. They won 95 games last year and it's still going to be amazing. And the division took a big step back, right? So I think they've got a path to the playoffs. And I think pitching like that can really carry you in the playoffs. But man, I wish they just had like one more guy I trusted, like literally one. And I don't know where that guy's coming from. I mean, I think I, I agree. Like, I think they're, you know, they have an easy, a relative, because of that division, they're a good pick because I think their, their path is, is, not clear, but it's, you know, clearer than most. I think one guy that people aren't like, it's like, is Willie Adamas, right? Last year, he was basically an MVP candidate for the, when he, after he got traded over from the, from the Rays. And he's been pretty good before that, but like, it's like, which version, like, is he really this good? You know? And it's, I think that's, he changed like the version we saw last year changes the scope of that lineup so much. Um, Cause even with like getting the bad Yelich, they were still like a reasonable offense. So it's like if you get something close to if you get like ninety percent of last year's Adamas and ninety percent of or maybe even eighty percent of like the superstar Yelich, it changes that lineup and they look in my mind a lot better. Um, all right, Will, uh, of the uh, last pick of the first portion of this podcast, who'd you go with at number ten? 
My last note on the on the Brewers, by the way. I bet if you put if you put together the, a staff of pitchers from the NL Central, just for, pick from all the teams, I think the Brewers may have three quarters of that staff. <laughs> <laughs> like it is really kind of remarkable. When you it's think of it that it's way. like Marcus Stroman and the Brewers, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, and maybe G- Gallegos, and, Gallegos like, yeah. and maybe Bueno. Um, okay, so uh, number number ten, I went with a. I feel like uh, what's the old idea? The post hype sleeper. I feel like this is my post hype sleeper team, and that's the Padres. I know that. Uh, Obviously, last year did not turn out the way they had planned, assuming they had not planned on Jake Arrieta taking starts in key playoff moments down the stretch. I doubt that was part of that's very galaxy brain uh, to imagine uh, getting that point. Uh, but certainly, uh, I don't think that's a reason to hop off now, even with uh, Tatisa's injury. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I actually really kind of love – like. Mike Clevenger is Clevenger is really great, and he's had like a whole year to kind of come off. I like his addition to stuff. I think Musgrove and Snell will be better, and I think there's enough here to keep them afloat until Tatis come back comes back. I actually love the Voight trade. I feel like of all the teams in baseball for Voight to go to, the Padres are kind of the perfect place for him. They really kind of needed him in the middle there, and they'll have an excuse every once in a while to put Eric Hosmer on the bench, where he should probably be a little <laughs> bit more often than he is. Uh, so uh, I, I think that, that I think there's a lot to like about the Padres. I know uh, last year again did not go well, but there's still a ton of talent here. I think if they're a, if they're fl- uh, in the race, which I think they will be by the time Tatis comes back, I think he can really be a huge ad for them. So I like the Padres here uh, too. It would be funny to see them have this be the year they dethrone the Dodgers <laughs> in the playoffs and not last year. I think post hype sleeper is a really good way of putting it. I mean. Like a year ago, that was like the whole preseason conversation was like, can they challenge the Dodgers? Like, this is going to be the team. They could finally do it. And like that really did not happen at all. I mean, didn't they finish like 20 plus games behind the Dodgers when all was, when all was said and done? Um, and obviously now they're starting the season without Tatis. But I think there's, re- you know, the pitching, um, although, I mean, Clevenger got lit up the other day, but, you know, it's spring training. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, Clevenger, like this pitching should be good. And, uh, I, I'm with you. I could see them hanging around, and Tatis obviously comes back is like the ultimate difference maker. Obviously, on the short was go, was about to enter the conversation for the the best player in baseball if he has not already. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with teams 11 through 30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello, Matt Myers, joined by Will Leach, where we are drafting, Will and I are, our World Series teams from 1 to 30 this year. A quick recap of the top 10. First five were Dodgers, White Sox, Blue Jays, Astros, Braves. Next five were Mets, Yankees, Rays, Brewers, Padres. We're going to do a bit of a lightning round on 11 to 30, just so we don't have like a two-hour podcast as much as we might all enjoy doing that. Uh, Matt, why don't you get us back started here at number 11, or however you want to go through these. Let's go through 11. We'll go through 11 through 15 here, right? So we went and and we did, it was, starting with Petriello, it went Phillies. And then Will grabbed the Giants, and then Mike took the Cardinals right under right under uh, Leach's <laughs> nose. Then Leach took the Red Sox at fourteen, and then uh, uh, Mike took the Mariners at fifteen. So I guess Mike, since you had three picks in that group, like which 
what stood out to you about about amongst this group of teams and like were you surprised by anything here uh i think i think mariners fans are annoyed that i picked the mariners at 15th which i didn't think was that bad i mean to be like completely honest here you have not made it to the playoffs in more than two decades. You don't get to complain about being underrated or overlooked until you literally do that even one time. You know, I, I'm in on what the Mariners are doing. I think what's happening here is, you know, they won 90 games last year. And I know everybody's sick of talking about the run differential, which they tried to rebrand as the fun differential. But the truth is they got outscored by 51 runs last year, you know, so they won 90. But they scored runs like they were a 76-win team, and they're now projected to be an 80-win team. And so I kind of thought putting them at 15th, like directly in the middle, made sense, even though I loved the Jesse Winker trade. I thought that was great. I loved signing Robbie Gray. I think that's great. Really, I'm just like, one more year, because you saw Jared Kelnick come up last year and look terrible, you know? And then he was much better at the end of the year, respect. But it's a good reminder that all of these prospects that they have coming up or really any team, they're not all Juan Soto from day one. You know, they're not all Tatis or Acuna from day one. It's not unreasonable to expect Julio Rodriguez or George Kirby or any of these other guys to come up and have a tough time. I mean, look at Evan White. He looks like he's never going to make it, you know? So like, give me one more year on the Mariners and I'll probably be a lot higher on them, but I think they're going in the right direction. I think that's a fair assessment. And I've, I've sort of, I don't, I won't belabor this again, just because I've said this probably like eight times on this podcast is that like, I'm, I think that's well said. Like they, they, the 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 next wave of Mariners players needs to prove it. Um, well, one team you grabbed here, I think, is the one that many people don't really know what to do with is the Giants. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what to do with the Giants. I'll admit, up until about like September fifteenth last year, I was like, oh, they're going to collapse. I will admit, I was a da- like one of those datters all the way through, and they still won one hundred seven games. But like, they can't do it again, right? A hundred and seven games like this it's not that they like surprised a little like they won 107 games they again just like you talked about earlier this was supposed to be the dodgers padres fight right and like and the giants not only beat them both they won 107 games to do so uh which is truly truly remarkable though to be fair they totally collapsed in the nlds right like like finally they ran out of gas the way they all we all knew they were going i'm just kidding uh it is remarkable to me the thing about the giants is it's weird because the thing they did last year is that to kind of get there was find all these these older guys and make them better. And it felt like a lot of their moves were surgical and uh, and and they and they brought in all these guys that that they were able to make better. Which is why it seems a little strange to be like, oh, we'll just bring them all back again this year. Like I almost half expected them to come up with a whole bunch of new thirty and thirty one year olds that they were able to bring in and prove and prove that they figured them out and solve them as like a parlor trick or something. The fact that they're bringing in the same guys. That's what actually worries me the most. And of course, you're losing Gossman and Posey, right? I think that losing them and then bringing the same guys back, it's remarkable what they were able to squeeze out of those guys last year. I, is there more juice to be squeezed? Squozen? I think the word is squozen. Uh, squozen, too. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, the idea uh, out of the Giants. I don't see how much more you can get out of this team. And I still think they're short on pitching. So uh, I look forward to them winning 108 games uh, this year and us being like, oh, they're going to collapse any minute now, any minute now. And then they win 108 games. We look like idiots again. Well, apparently, apparently Alex Cobb is now out here throwing uh, 97 miles per hour. So maybe they've, they've found something with their pitching, uh, pitching as well. Uh, well, I have to ask you a question really quick about this. How mad are you going to be? How furious will oh. you be? when Carlos Martinez throws Seriously. like 180 good innings this year. 
and looks like totally composed <laughs> at all times. Like that will be the remarkable thing. And like it's suddenly gotten jacked. Like all the things that Carlos Martinez was was struggling with. And listen, Carlos Martinez obviously has a lot of, lot of talent. Once I saw the Giants get him, I was like, yeah, but yeah, he's going to be great. <laughs> he's going to be great. He is that kind of guy. And I think that's what's weird though, is I expect them to find like five Carlos Martinez's, including some to go in the, maybe there's just not enough guys. Carlos Martinez is that sort of guys. But to go back again, be like, oh, Brandon Crawford's going to be the uh, be a six war player, or whatever he was last year. Again, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see how that happens. Um, so three other teams in this group, one of which I really want to talk about: um, Phillies and Red Sox. I feel like there's kind of similarities there. They're going to score runs. Um, pitching depth, a question, especially for the for the uh, uh, for the Red Sox. Um, but I, we obviously, with Will on the podcast, we have to talk about the Cardinals, right? So um, we we already did the whole Pujols thing earlier, but like you know. Mike actually took the Cardinals at number thirteen. Would, were you about to take the Cardinals? Will like what? Were you, what what's your feeling about them right now? Yeah, I don't. Let, I might have let them fall a little bit, to be honest. I th- I kind of touched on this earlier with the Brewers pitching. The pitching is a serious concern. I think there's some hopes. I think Aaron Brooks and uh, and the and Verhagen are these two guys that you can totally see the Cardinals like making into decent solid stars. They're trying to do kind of the Michaelis thing, but they're also counting on Miles Michaelis, who's barely pitched in two years, and he's right now maybe their two starter. Uh, and the number one starter is 41 years old and uh, and has been great, uh, but still feels like, uh, you know, they, Wainwright kind of pulled it off last year through a, like a lot of savvy and some magic and really being impressive, uh, being smart. But eventually, like he's he's older, I, getting what Wainwright got, got last year is not going to be enough. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do what he did last year. So the pitching is a concern. Uh, the Flaherty thing was really what kind of pushed me down on the Cardinals a, a little bit this year. I, they're hopeful that he'll be able to be back. Uh, after like a month or so, I'm not so sure. He's he's really. It's been a couple years since we've seen the way he ended 19 when he was so incredible. We haven't seen that guy in a long time, and uh, that's what concerns me with the Cardinals. The defense is enough to be able to like they can make J.A. Happ and John Lester into second half stars by just simply throwing strikes. The defense makes a big difference, uh, but I just I just feel like. They remember before they made that win streak last year, the Cardinals had fallen apart. Their pitching was horrible. They were they had, they had that record that they were about to walk. I think they they broke the National League record for walking in batters with the bases loaded in like mid August. Like there were a lot of walks last year for a lot of young players, and I, I don't know uh, if they've solved that pitching problem, particularly with Flaherty out and with Alex Reyes out. So yeah, I think there's I just don't think there's enough pitching. Historically, the Cardinals are really good when they have enough pitching and not when they don't, and I'm not sure they do. Mike, as a, as a as a neutral observer of the Cardinals, what is your take? My take is that someone tweeted at Will and I this morning accusing Will of being a Cardinals hater, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> um, listen, no, you're you're right. I think just judging from what I could see on Cardinals Twitter, people were mostly upset they didn't go out and get Corey Seager or a big middle infield bat, which like, hey, great. Those guys would have been fantastic. Do I really expect them to have topped 10 years and $325 million for Corey Seager? Probably not, but... The biggest issue is that pitching depth, you know, like I like Steven Matz there a lot because I think he is a guy who's really been hurt by bad defense the last couple of years with Toronto and the Mets and going in front of, you know, Arenado and company is going to be great. I think the outfield is going to be so good. And I think you're, you know, one 41 year old arm away from Steven Matz or Dakota Hudson or whoever else being your ace. <laughs> that just worries me a lot. All right, well, let's get to, let's get to team 16 through 20. We had, uh, Will at 16 getting the Twins, then the Angels to Petriello, then the Marlins to Will, the Tigers to Petriello, and the Guardians 
I can't believe I got that right, but I'm, I'm getting there uh, to Leach. Uh, all right. Of those groups, I mean, for me, the team that kind of stands out in that group, I mean, I guess the, I mean, the, the Twins are kind of an it team right now because of Korea, Korea. So, like, Will, like, what's, I mean, do you think that, like, do you think they even have a, a puncher's chance of, of overtaking the White Sox in that division, or do you think they need to make a move first? Uh, I think they have a puncher's chance at a wild card spot, but I feel pretty confident with the White Sox. Even if the, even if, I mean, again, the White Sox won the division comfortably without Robert and Jimenez for much last year. If they've got them all year, I just don't see the Twins in that league. I they're clearly better. And the Twins, listen, the Twins are doing the thing you want teams to do. This is exactly what you want teams to do: is to go not just Correa, but even like going out and getting getting Sunny Gray and trying to and trying Urshela and trying these like kind of smart, clever little moves for for a team that you know has a great fan base and feels like you want to reward it. I just feel like there's just not enough pitching there. And frankly, I love the everyone's so excited about Correa and Buxton together. I love the idea of Correa and Buxton together. And I feel like they've caught, they, I feel like because the contract extension they gave to Buxton felt like a, all right, they're doing it. They're committing to Buxton. Somehow it just made him healthier. It didn't. He's still, he's still Buxton. He's still, I, I still, until he plays 140 games in a year, uh, 130 even, I don't know uh, if he plays, if he, if he's healthy all year, I think they can make that leap, but I just don't trust him to do that. And with that pitching, I just, I think there's an, enough potential pot, uh, potholes for them here to where I, I don't, I don't quite see them making it. Um, another really interesting team in this group is, is the angels, right? Mike, you grabbed them at 17. Is this the year? Can they actually make the playoffs this year? I mean, they have arguably the two, they literally might have the two best players in baseball. Yeah, in this group, I picked the Angels at 17 and the Tigers at 19. And I think the Tigers are similar to the Mariners where it's like on the right path, but a year away. And when I picked the Angels at 17, I said that this for me is probably about the end of the like list of teams where I think if things go right, they could win a title this year. I think they are maybe the last team here. But I was thinking about this when I was looking into it and you just kind of alluded to it there. We all talk about how Mike Trout's never playing in October. He's never in the playoffs. And it's true. He hasn't been there since 2014. And then I realized that's not the main problem. They haven't even finished 500 since 2015. <laughs> We're talking about October. Win 81 games, like literally one time. Just do it. I don't, I don't know how it's possible. And, you know, I mostly like what they've done this year. Like they loaded up on pitching, right? So they went out and got Noah Syndergaard and brought back Rysel Iglesias and they added Lorenzen and Aaron Loop and Archie Bradley and Ryan Tapera and I don't know, Chuck Finley and Mark Langston are probably <laughs> floating around there somewhere. Uh, but they didn't get necessarily the the big name, you know, like they needed a real guy. And maybe you're banking on Syndergaard being that guy. And he's certainly talented enough to do so. But man, you you are really banking on Otani to basically be what he was last year and for Trout to be healthy. Now, I think Trout can be healthy. I think Otani is certainly capable of doing what he did last year. Are you counting on it? Like, are you counting on the most historic season of all time, essentially, <laughs> to repeat? Because we've you had that. And you still were under 500 last year, you know? So the talent is there to win. Like if Rendon comes back and plays like he did before, sure. But man, you need a lot of things to go right here. And that's kind of been the issue for a half decade now. Yeah. I mean, I, th- and I, I, I hate to be this guy and like, I don't, I, you also can't throw out the first half, but last year in the first half of the season, meaning pre all-star game, Otani hit 33 home runs and hit 280 in the second half. He hit 229 with 13 home runs. So like, I don't think he's that guy, um, but I do wonder if the true talent level is somewhere, as you kind of alluded to, somewhere in between, which is still like an outrageously good player. But like if he goes from having, you know, what was it last year, a 152 weighted runs created plus, whereas in 2019 it was 120, like 
my guess is the truth is probably somewhere between those two, right? So maybe he's like a 135 guy. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's not that's not quite as good. He also played 158 games last year, yeah. which yeah. is kind and, of crazy as well. And don't forget, we as a sport have changed the rules just for Otani <laughs> to play more, right? And if you still can't get, forget the playoffs, if you still can't get over 500, just shut it down, man. I don't know what else to do. I always remember, I feel like we spent like a good like half decade being like, if the Angels can just put a 500 team around Trout, they will make the playoffs. <laughs> we spent like a good half decade doing that. Now we're like, if they can just put a under 500 team around Otani and Trout, and they still can't do that either. So uh, I give, I'm uh, uncle on the Angels. Um, 19 and 20 were two teams from the AL Central that seemed to be kind of going in different directions. You mentioned the Tigers before, then the Guardians went to Will at 20. I mean, they definitely feel like a cut below the um, the the White Sox and maybe even the Twins, but I don't know. Like, I'm I'm with you, Will. I, I mean, uh, Mike, I think that like the Angels are sort of the, the low end of, oh, this team might, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a World Series. Yeah, that's about it for me. I mean, Will picked the Marlins right after me at 18. I think some people would think that if that young pitching blows up, uh, but again, who's hitting there? You know, I don't like Milwaukee's offense. I don't really like Miami's better, and they don't have the same pitching. You know, so it's like if you look at 18, 19, 20 here, Mar- uh, Marlins, Tigers, Guardians, there are certainly things to like about uh, those first two teams, mostly. I, I have a lot of questions about the Guardians' direction, but it's hard for me to see any of those three teams making it happen like this year. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and then we will come back with teams 21 through 30, and we will each give uh, a team we think is being overrated and a team that we think is being underrated. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Pitcherell and Matt Myers joined by Will Leach. Will and I are counting down our 30-team draft of who's going to win the World Series this year. We just went from 10 to 20, and uh, we are back, and we're going to start with Matt counting us down from 21 to 30. Yeah, we're just going to go. I'm going to read the teams off here, and then I want you guys to kind of just jump in with some, you know, you know, we can t- grab a couple teams and go. We don't need to go deep on all of them. Uh, most of them are probably non-contenders this year, but some are more interesting than others. And, you know, we can kind of jump in on a couple that we think are especially uh, of note. So it went 21 through 30. I'll go. It was Rangers. Cubs, Royals, Nationals, Rockies, Reds, Pirates, A's, D-backs, and number 30, the Orioles. Well, in, in going through this exercise of teams 21 to 30, were there any teams that you like kind of jumped out to you or that you think are like more interesting or more worth worth watching in this upcoming season? Yeah, actually, the, I'll put this in. The, there's one here team that's going to fit that is comfortably in third. I think that's the Cubs. Like the Cubs, I think Suzuki has looked really impressive. I think they're really excited about him. I think Stroman is actually kind of perfect them, and he's going to be beloved in Wrigleyville. <laughs> like they're going to absolutely love Stroman. And it does feel like those moves, the thing I liked about those moves were they basically put them in a position where you know, those guys are going to be around for a while, and I think they're on the next good Cubs team. 
And there are a lot of wins to be had against the Reds and Pirates in this division. I would put it that way. And there's an extra playoff spot. I don't think the Cubs are good enough, but of all the teams on this list, they're the ones that I don't think are too hard to be like, could they get, I think they're definitely the most likely to get to 500 from this. And considering how long the last Cubs dip was before they got good, I feel like this one's definitely going to be shorter. You mean like 108 years? Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) not long enough, frankly, (laughs) if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I appreciate you know the the Suzuki thing is it was really interesting. I appreciate that unlike unlike last time when they really just tore it down, they're kind of trying to to thread that needle of saying okay, we want to keep the team competitive while also recognizing that we kind of need to rebuild a little bit as well. And like the you know those those deals didn't it was they, they were money right? They didn't even have to you know there's even no draft pick compensation with either guy. It's like we just signed a couple good players to to make us better and like. Cool, I'm with that. What about what about you, Mike? What what teams in here jumped out to you? Well, I mean, if we're just talking about a team I will watch a lot, it'll be number 24, the Nationals, not because they'll be good. I think they're going to be terrible, but I want to watch Juan Soto. Uh, I actually didn't pick them there. Will did, but I will watch as much Juan Soto as I possibly can. But I, I think my team, sort of similar to what Will said with the Cubs, is going to be the Rangers, who I took at number 21, just because they had an amazing offseason, right? And you go out and you spend all this money on Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, and John Gray. And I loved the trade for Mitch Garver. I'm a huge Mitch Garver fan. And, you know, you could see one of these other veteran guys like showing some signs of life, like Brad Miller, Matt Carpenter, Garrett Richards, or somebody like they're going in the right direction. They're still not going to be very good, right? Like that's a 75 win team, which after spending all that money tells you a lot about where they were. But really the big difference for me is if you look at last year's roster, it was the worst kind of bad roster because it wasn't going anywhere. You know, you weren't breaking in the next generation of stars and you weren't in the middle of a teardown. It was just bad and boring and almost pointless. And now, even though this year's team won't win a ton of games, like it's it's headed in the right direction. You know, like now you've got the stars who are going to be there in a year or two when Jack Leiter comes up and Cole Wynn and, you know, the other guys have gotten their farm system. So even though it's not going to be like a playoff team this year, it'll be a watchable and entertaining and B this will be the start of something. Like you'll look back in two or three years when they're good and you say, Oh yeah, that, that 2022 season, that's, that's where it started. Not the 2021 season. How much did our old friend, Darren Wilman, who you now works in the Rangers front office, Steve, he put you up to that, Mike? That was a good, that was a good sell. <laughs> uh, listen, not, not at number 21. <laughs> he would have wanted it a little higher, I think. <laughs> fair, fair. One team in this, is, you know, that's like, you know, it was, it was kind of my team last year, like quote unquote, my team that I was really into um, has had a, you know, we'll say disappointing off season uh, is the Reds who will got it at 26, but it's cool. They just announced yesterday that Hunter Green, their top prospect, the number two pick from the draft, like four years ago, is going to be on the opening day roster. Um, so that's fun. You know, I think that's it, I think that's 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 smart that they're it, doing that. I mean, the guy like Hunter it, Green throws hard. He's volatile. He may not ever be as good as he is right now. So you might as well see what you can get out of him. Um, I feel like someone's trying cool? to jump in. There. I don't know. Is it cool? I'm torn on this. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, we should objectively be happy that a young prospect is going to get called up to the big leagues and show what he can do. And that's, that's great, but I have no idea what they're doing. Like if you're going to bring him up and start his clock, why aren't you trying to build around him instead of tearing down? And if you are tearing down, why isn't he in the minors? I just, I don't understand any direction around this team. They're like a figure eight right now. See, I see. I, I think, I think with pitchers, especially pitchers like him, which is like, you know, big arm. Like, I, I don't think you could, you, you can't worry about clocks. It's like, he literally might be as good as he's ever going to be right now. And if he turns out to be really good, like you'll figure, and like, you got to figure it out because like, you know, 
keeping him just like trying to like keep him down to sort of like preserve service time or hope that like you can suddenly like maximize the core random. I don't know. I think there's also the idea of like you want, you know, for better or worse, you want to do something that'll like keep the fans excited and engaged. And that's exactly the kind of guy who can keep the, the fans exciting. Like it's cool. Like we're going to see prospects on opening day. Probably he's going to yeah. be on the roster where it seems like we're going to see Bobby Wood Jr. In Kansas city. It seems like we're going to see Spencer Torkelson and Riley green in Detroit. Um, like that's, that's fun. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it was less a comment about him than it was about just I don't understand what the Reds in general that's, are doing. Because I agree, I'm excited to see Green. Like, I cannot wait to see him pitch. <laughs> um, the, la- the, the last team I want to talk about is a team that Will took with the last pick. And you pointed out that in all the years you know, we've been doing this for three years, and this is the first time the Orioles were picked last. And that actually kind of surprised me. Yeah, progress. Wait, no, that's not what the, that's the direction this is supposed to be going. Uh, and listen, to be fair, I think a couple of years ago I picked the I didn't pick the Orioles last just because uh, they're playing sixty games. You know, we'll see what happens. So, and, and I was right, by the way, the Orioles were not last. <laughs> I, were, not, were not last that year. So uh, I, you know, I I'll put it this way: if this if they're last again next year, then I think you can really start sweating stuff up around here. I think you're. This is the year where you hope that you see uh, at least some sort of actual progress on the major league roster whether it's uh whether it's of course a Rutschman coming in and Grace Rodriguez will be uh I, I think up by the by the by the end of the year you've this is all Orioles fans want at this point is to other than to also like I guess extend Trey Mancini to a 15-year contract but other than that uh I think that to have to finally see these guys you've been waiting on for a long time Rutschman's clearly going to be up any minute if he's not up on, on opening day I know he's got the injury but I think as soon as that's as that's healed yeah, I think he'll be back he'll be up and that's what they want to see it's obviously a slow process. I think that's a fair assessment. But listen, it wasn't just the major league roster and even just the minor leagues players that they were trying to restructure. They were really trying to restructure everything from the bottom up. I would hope, here's my solemn vow for Orioles fans. If they are picked last again next year, you can definitely be mad then <laughs> you should definitely be mad then but now i think uh one more year where the no one's gonna argue with the orioles being the worst team in baseball i think is uh it's it's the last time they have to do this i would hope you know the, the last two teams that i think did like this type of rebuild right were and, and saw success as a result were the were the 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 cubs who ended up winning the, the World Series in 2016, and the Astros, who won it in 2017. And the thing is, both those teams saw, like, a big leap in the same year. In 2015, they went from being, like, a last-place team to being, like, a contender or, you know, a wild-card team, both in 2015. And like, you get that leap. And that's the thing with the, like, Orioles. We've, they've been at this for, like, five years now, maybe longer. And it still doesn't feel like the leap is, like, coming. Like, there's no... In 2015, there was this feeling, okay, like... I would not be surprised if these teams won 85 to 90 games and they ended up, you know, exceeding that. It doesn't feel like there's any chance that the Orioles are going to win uh, 85 or 90 games this year or maybe even next year. And I think that's really the, that's really the concern, right? But I mean, also part of it is, I mean, the the Cubs, the Cubs, the, the Cubs, the year they the Cubs broke through in 2015. Remember, that was the year that both the Pirates and the Cardinals won more than 97 games or more. They've actually finished. The Cubs won 97 games and finished third. Uh, that year, which is really kind of wild, but people that they just kind of got hot late. I think they were expecting to be better that year, but not that good. I think the advantage that they had is they didn't have to play the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox and Blue Jays. And I think that's the thing with the Orioles. I'm not sure what benefit there is for the Orioles to be like, okay, let's try to get to 75 or 80 this year. I, I don't see what the point of that for them to be is. They've got to play the long game on this, and uh, I, I I don't blame them to do it, but they they definitely need to. Let's just say. 
here's he put this on the posters, guys. 2023 Orioles losses will be in double digits. <laughs> I think I'm comfortable saying that. All right, before we go, I want to go go have each of us will each, you know, pick a team that we think is being underrated and a team that we think is being overrated, whether we think it's by projections, by the mass that you can define, you can define underrated or overrated as you see fit. But I guess maybe we'll start with, let's start with overrated so we can end with underrated, which is kind of a more positive note. All right. Like, Will, of all the teams in baseball right now, what is one team that you think is being kind of overrated? I don't think they're being overrated by their fans, but I think they're being overrated in general. I'm actually pretty down on the Yankees. I have to say, like, I don't, I don't get the, like they, it feels like there's a ton of major injury issues. Anyway, there's not a ton of depth. They've got those holes at the bottom of the lineup. Define whatever you define this hole, certainly not Yankees type guys. And look at the rest of this lineup. You've got Hicks, who's always hurt. Judge, who gets hurt. Stanton, who's always hurt. And you've got Donaldson, who, okay, Donaldson's never hurt. Donaldson's always hurt. Like the idea that like collapse potential from the offense looks like very possible. And I, that, that rotation does not look like clearly dominant in any way, shape or form either. And I think because they're the Yankees and because they've got some, they've got obviously a lot of star talent and they've got Cole, who I think is the best player on this team. I there's, I think there's this notion that like, Oh, they're the Yankees. They'll figure it out. They're smart. They've got something going on. But uh, uh, to be fair, they did get that asterisk championship that Brian Cashman wanted. So uh, he's got <laughs> that going for him, but I have to say, I'm kind of, I, it, it would not, not stun me if the Yankees finish fourth in the, this division. If that happens, they are going to freak out. <laughs> I don't think there's what, any, I don't think they'll be wrong to. What if they finish fourth and they're still the the third wild card team? <laughs> oh right, yeah, I guess that's possible too. Okay, fine. Well, okay, okay. Then in that case, the Orioles are losing 136 games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I I, I hear where you're coming from. I think it's more like as as someone who. Uh, has you know been on the other side of New York sports fandom for a long baseball fandom for a long time. You know the flip side of the Mets is like I'll believe a Yankees collapse when I see it. They seem yeah. to have, they've basically avoided it um, since Brian Cashman has been uh, been gen- been general manager. All right, will uh, will uh, Mike? What is your overrated team? I'm going to take the other New York team. I'm going to take the New York Mets. Now, listen, I really like most of what they've done. You know, I think it's very, very easy to see a rotation fronted by Scherzer and DeGrom just like blowing through the East and October and winning a title, right? But how much did those guys pitch last year? How old are they? This is a really old team. Like DeGrom did not pitch in the second half. Scherzer, we talked a lot about, you know, his, his dead arm thing. I'm not saying I think they're going to be bad or injured or whatever this year. I'm just saying... DeGrom's going to be 34. Scherzer's going to be 38. Chris Bassett, 33. Carlos Carrasco, 35. That's their rotation, right? And then you look at the guys they added. You know, Marcana, who I like, well, he's 33. Eduardo Escobar is also 33. Starling Marte is going to be 34. And James McCann behind the plate, like, I remember when he signed that deal, we kind of crushed it, and he has not worked out. So, again, there's a ton of talent here. I think this team could be extremely good. It's just, man, there's a lot of risk. It's so old. It's so old. (laughs) The the Mets somehow managed to like have like create the, like the highest variance roster year in and year out, um, and they've been doing this for like four straight years. And basically, they've been on the low end almost every year. I think with the exception of 2019. Um, so yeah, I I hear you loud and clear. I think that like you hope that as a Mets fan, you hope that um, uh, Buck Showalter can sort of like I think that he's the right manager for having a veteran team like that. Um, it didn't feel like. You know, with a lot of veterans last year, there was the same kind of maybe uh, command of the clubhouse. Um, so, but I, 
I wouldn't having watched the Mets a long time, that would not surprise me, Mike. Let me tell you. Um, my uh, since we're since we're, we're we're bashing the favorite teams of people on this podcast, um, my overrated team, I think, is the Cardinals. Um, and I think it's like be, the the pitching, which Will talked about earlier. I, I'm I'm highly skeptical. Wainwright was so good last year; like, there's just like no way he repeats that. And they've really been banking on Jack Flaherty being an ace, and we don't know when he's going to pitch. We don't know how good he's going to be when he pitches. So. Um, the outfield's fun. Arenado and Goldschmidt are still great, but I just think that like the 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 bottom half of that roster has a ton of questions, and I think the Brewers are are just are very strong, and the, I think the Cubs are better than people think. So I think that they're actually have a little more comp- competition than people realize. Again, similar to the Yankees, I'll kind of believe the Cardinals collapse when I see it. I think they've like had a top five draft pick like twice in the history of the draft. So. Um, that's the only thing that kind of giving me pause, but I think that they're kind of the team that I'm 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 a bit bit skeptical of. All right, let's finish with some good news. Underrated teams. Who do we think is underrated? Will, let's go to you. Uh, I will go back to one of the teams I picked. I think it's the Padres. I I did not realize not only did the Padres finish so far behind the Dodgers last year, uh, which uh, sorry the first place San Francisco Giants, excuse me, who won 107 games. They were 28 games behind them. They were only four and a half up on the Rockies. <laughs> like that is that is that's dark. I still feel like I, I just think the pitching, the everything we kind of wanted. Listen, you're not going to get the Cy Young competition between Snell and Darvish. I think everyone thought they were going to get last year, but I think they're they're real solid, and I think that that rotation looks good, and I I like. I like enough of that lineup to, until Tatis comes back. I think this is a playoff team, and I think they're potentially like a. Uh, I don't think they'll be the Dodgers, but if, if you told me the Padres hosted the first uh, the wild card series as the four seed, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I can see the Padres doing that. I can see it. I, I, I'm. I get you. All right, Mike. Who do you? What, what do you think? Who's your under eight team? I think I'm glad you came to me first because I think I'm going to say the same team that I think you're going to say, which is the Houston Astros, and I think. People inherently want the Astros to lose for obvious reasons, right? But if you look at this like recent run of success, just look at the dudes they've lost. There's no Garrett Cole. There's no George Springer. You know, there's no Charlie Morton. And now there's no Carlos Correa. And I think people just keep assuming, well, man, they just they keep losing all their guys. They can't possibly be that good. But you know what? They they are still good. Remember, uh, they won 95 games last year without Justin Verlander, who looks phenomenal so far this spring. I really think Jordan Alvarez is going to hit like 75 home runs this year. Like that guy is such a dude. And, you know, they're they're a, an incredibly deep rotation of guys you may not know enough about. Will said it before. He loves Luis Garcia. I'm with you. From Valdez has long been one of my favorites. You know, like they are deep, especially when Lance McCullers comes back. They still have Altuve. I think a healthy Bregman will be better. I think maybe, Will, you also said this as well. Kyle Tucker is a superstar. People do not respect him like he's a superstar, but he is. I have a lot of questions about the rest of that division. Like, I think people are too down on the Astros, and they're going to be good again. I'm, I'm really glad we did this exercise, and we, we came up with completely different teams. And we didn't even plan this. Unplanned. Nice. We all just came up with independent teams on our own. Um, my uh, in, in team that I'm slightly talking myself into as I as I research them more and more today, and it's gonna probably going to be my this year's version of like the Reds team that I'm pulling for, uh, is the Royals. Um, I'm not sure they're a playoff team, but I think that there's like a few things about them that are pretty interesting. So I base this on the fact that Fangraphs right now has them projected at, let's see, it's 75 wins, which actually is the same as the Tigers and basically the, the Guardians and five games or seven games behind the Twins. But there's a lot of upside there. I think Bobby Witt Jr. has that potential to be like the maybe not one Soto level star from day one, but maybe like, you know, 
a cut below that, like an impact player from day one. And then they have a, a couple of other really interesting hitting prospects who are ready to hit the majors this year. And MJ Melendez and Nick Prado, these guys absolutely destroyed the minors last year. I think it kind of went under the radar. Um, they were hitting like 40 home runs. It's a, it was, it's already kind of a interesting lineup to begin with. You know, obviously you have to, you kind of have to count on hope that you get a little more out of Alberto Mondesi, but I think the combination of like kind of interesting lineup, three young position player pro- prospects were like ready to like the kind of guys who are ready to like hit the ground running and like be good from day one. And this is maybe a little sen- sentimental, but I, I'm, I'm already like can foresee the like the like the stories in mid-May of like Zach Greinke is like an extra pitching coach. He's helped turn like Brady Singer into like a you know a, a number two starter. I just think that there's some good vibes around the Greinke reunion. I think there's some like some charm there. So I'm in on the Royals for 2022. And my, my you know, go ahead, Matt. No, I, I was I was gonna say um, I'm with you. I think they're gonna be super fun. I'm I'm out on the pitching. I just don't think they can pitch, man. They they cannot. Oh, they they also they also got Amir Garrett, another another fun player. Like, come on. I I saw today that the Royals picked up the option on Mike Matheny's uh, next year as manager, and I saw Royals fans seem very happy about it, which is very similar to the Cardinals felt in 2012 and 2013 when he got off to like a nice little start. I really felt very Dr. Malcolm in Jurassic Park, like, oh, this is how it starts. There's ooh and ah, and there's running and screaming. Just wait, Royals fans. This is when it turns. Just wait. This, this is when it turns. This sounds like the coach for our favorite basketball team, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very Tibbs. Very Tibbs. There's running and screaming. But yeah, I uh, I don't know who the equivalent I, – I'm trying to think of who the who the Royals equivalent of Julius Randle is at this exact point, but uh, who he keeps running out there. Maybe maybe Whit, Whit Merrifield decides he doesn't want to play anymore, but he ends up getting playing every position nevertheless. I'm, I'm yes, sure I'm excited that. for the 11th straight year of Whit Merrifield trade rumors that end up turning <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Listen, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Anytime we can spend an hour talking to Will Leach is an hour well spent. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. We will be back early next week with our official 2022 season preview. Thanks for listening. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.